we have a really grounded view of divorce. We do it all day long, you know? And so it gives them some comfort to say, you'll be through this and you'll feel better. I promise. Call me when you're upset. I'll talk you down off the ledge. You know, it's not as significant as you think it is, but it feels big and it's it really bad. emotionally hard. And and they should feel that, but we can calm them down. But, you know, therapists get covered by insurance, so we don't. So I always tell them that. Make sure you don't spend too much money calling me with your emotions. I'll give you support and I'll even no charge some of it. But you're better off calling someone with credentials that you can run through your insurance. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I am your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. During these crazy days of the pandemic, I have been watching a lot of experts and thought leaders on YouTube, and I watched a TED Talk by our guest today that absolutely blew me away. She is one of the leading thought leaders in the world in helping men who are going through divorce to not be trampled and treated as second-class citizens by the family law court system. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one the only, the legendary Marilyn York. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on. So Marilyn, I've gotten to know you a little bit by watching your incredible TED Talk, but my listener, they don't know who you are. And the person who listens to this show tends to be an entrepreneur. There's someone that I call a heart leader. They lead from their heart. They want to make a difference for their fellow man and woman. And before they can truly fall in love with your message. They need to get to know you. They need to fall in love with you, metaphorically speaking. So tell us your story. How'd you get to become the great Marilyn York? Um, I have a very strong father. So I would say that it started from birth. My parents are still married. They've been married 58 years, give or take, and raised me in San Jose, California, and then Reno, Nevada, where I am currently residing. My dad is a former attendee of West Point Military Academy. He raised me in that sort of second generation militant type extreme upbringing, plus, plus, plus. So, wow. Um, I'm very influenced by male thinking. My dad's an engineer, mechanical. And so my childhood was wrought with statements like, your statement is meaningless. Every time I would try to ask him something, you know, like the teenage question, hey, dad, my car got super good gas mileage. I drove to San Francisco and filled it once. And he's like, how many miles, how many gallons? Your statement is meaningless. Like that's <laughs> how I was raised, you know, constant drill sergeant. So it made me think more logically. It made me relate to men. I certainly am a feeling emotional female, but I was not rewarded for that type of conduct. We had what my dad coined a pussy jar, for lack of a better term. Most people have a cuss jar in their house. We had one for being a sissy. If we were not tough, we would have to put money in it. So I was raised like a boy. I could fix my own car, change my own oil. I had to take an engine apart all the way down to the bottom and put it back together before I was allowed to own a vehicle. So I just kind of always had that male appreciation, respect, way of thinking. I had a lot more male friends growing up than female. And so when I went to college, I became a paralegal uh, on the weekends prior to college. I was 16 when I started college and I was a paralegal 30 hours a week. I put myself through college that way. I fell into doing family law and fell in love with it. And so I knew when I went to law school that I would absolutely practice family law. What I didn't know then and decided in law school was to specifically focus my practice on representing men in divorce. It was apparent to me as a young girl that there was a disproportionate share of favoritism given to women in the family court. And so I didn't like what I saw. I certainly had a father that I thought would absolutely warrant having at least joint custody of me in the event, you know, my parents didn't stay together. 
And so I, I had that mission. And in law school, I decided that I would focus my practice when I got out of law school on representing men. And I did. So I graduated in 1998 in L.A. I practiced there for a couple of years representing the movie stars of the world, which was really exciting and miserable. The clients wow. were pretty cool. The hours were not. I, le- I slept in my office more than I did not. So I ended up relocating back to Reno in 2000 and opened my firm representing men in 2001. So I've now been in business for 19 years and I have 10 female employees and that's all we do. Wow. So there's a lot that you said in that. That is a heck of a story. So let me, let me just unpack a bit of what you said. First off, sure. you had a strong father and your, your, your mom and dad have been married for 58 years. So hats off to them. Kudos. That is a real accomplishment yeah. in this day and age. That, she's a saint. She's a saint. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah, she's a saint. He's got to be a pretty decent guy for her to want to stick around to. So, I mean. Oh, go- he, there's no one like him. He's kind of like a bad habit. You can't quit, you know, diet Coke or something like that. <laughs> the dark mistress, as I call it. <laughs> He's got a lot of great qualities, but he is definitely hard. Yeah. Oh, no, no kidding. I mean, he went, he went to, he went to West Point. So uh, he's nobody's idea of a wuss, I'm sure. And, uh, yes. and you, you know what? I don't know if you've heard of a motivational speaker by the name of Darren Hardy, but Darren Hardy speaks about his father, who was a football coach and had a very similar drill sergeant type attitude to raising him. And as tough as that was, it seems that it, it really turned you into a woman of iron. Really, you're you're like Maggie Thatcher, the Iron Lady, in that you you're <laughs> able to like strip down a car, change your own oil. You know, you are are able to go out there into the world and 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 tough it out in uh, in a really tough arena. You know, divorce court, as it were, family law, and and do a great job. So kudos to you. You you. It sounds like you had incredible parents who modeled a lot of things well for you. So congratulations and kudos. That's awesome stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. And the second thing is, look, I'm a divorced father. And at the moment, right now, I really get along well with my ex. Uh, In fact, she and my current lady friend and my two kids have gone on vacation together and everybody had a good time and we said we'd do it again. You know, and uh, it is ideal, ideal, but it wasn't that way at the beginning. At the beginning, it was a full-on hate-on. She initiated it, and it it didn't go really, really well. And my experience with family court, being a man and being a man from the Middle East, I'm a Christian from Iran originally, it wasn't good. Some of the things that were insinuated and said by her attorneys in order to get her a leg up, and, and frankly, the court listened to them. And I live in liberal Toronto, okay? This is not exactly a bastion of conservatism over here. Uh, <laughs> the, you know what I mean? They bought into all of that stuff. And that was the first time that for me, it became clear that, wait a minute, we have uh, a gender bias and it's against men. And uh, it, it's something that I I was outraged by. And I quickly realized that if I wanted to have my children have the best possible chance at life, because it was clear that she didn't want us to get back together again, I, I gave it everything I had. I would need to show up differently. I would need to uh, you know, be a better man and all that good stuff. But I also need to start to educate myself on what's going on out there and what men are facing. And in addition to going through the situation myself, I've become quite passionate about helping men. Uh, I lead a men's team. I've helped send a bunch of men to do men's work with some top coaches I worked with. And I'm glad that I've met you because, you know, knowing someone like you, I'm going to make sure that anybody that I run into knows about your work. And they, if they happen to be in the state of Nevada or in the areas that you practice, I'm going to make sure that I send them to you because having someone like you be a champion for men is, is, is a godsend. It's very valuable. So kudos and thank you. It's my honor to do what I do every day. I do think that the cross gender is significantly important. There's a number of reasons I think that. One is that uh, that family court is an emotional war ground. And to me, females are more wired for emotional warfare than males. Yeah. And so when a male gets forced into that arena, which it does as a matter of you know course, when a man has a woman helping him through it, I feel like he's better equipped. It's a better tool. We're kind of wired for it. We enjoy it even, dare I say, which is kind of wrong and sick, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
men don't handle it well. They aren't equipped for it. They want it done as soon as possible, and that's often to their detriment. And so we can help pace them and take the brunt of the emotional blasts and filter it for them, protect them, tell them when they need to respond, let them know that it's normal to be accused of abuse, even though it doesn't ever feel normal, you know, just kind of filter it through our experience to calm them down. There's no gender battle between counsel and client when the gender is crossed. You know, if I tell a man to quit being an idiot, he just laughs and stops being an idiot. If I tell a woman that, she thinks I'm saying I'm a better mom than her and there's like this cat fight in five minutes and she's going to prove me wrong. It's ridiculous. And so it's sure. it's always, it's been really good. It's really important that I have a female staff that's by design. And, you know, it's been really productive for us. We've had a very effective presence in the court and we're well-respected, which at first was not the case. You know, as soon as you gender specify your representation, it opens you up to criticism, ridicule, judgment, that sort of thing. So I had to work through the first few years of that, but we have had a very long relationship in local courts. And so it's served us well. That's awesome. So let, let, let's dig a little bit more deeply into this. What, what are some of the things that you think are important for a man, a father in particular, to be aware of when, when he comes across a situation where his wife says, I don't want to be with you anymore. I want a divorce. Uh, the first thing is women divorce plan. I've almost never had a woman come into my office, you know, on the other side of a case having not planned. Women mourn the relationship while they're still in it, and they absolutely divorce plan. They lose weight, they get fit, they stockpile money, they get plastic surgery on your credit card. They are done. So like your experience, it's news to the man more often than not that the marriage is over, and you guys try really hard to keep it together and win her back and make amends for what you've done or not done, and it's way too late. And so we are always scrambling to catch up as the attorneys that represent men, you know, okay, where's the $200,000 that she shifted? Can we find it? Can we recover it? Can we show the court that she used the credit card for plastic surgery and divorce planning and make her take that debt? You know, she quit her job and previously was employed. So those are the kind of big things. Allegations of abuse are commonplace and they get traction when they shouldn't, not as much as they did 10 years ago, but they still are a problem. And so men going into divorce are naive. They think that they are getting divorced from the woman they married and they are not. The woman you married is not the woman you divorce. And so these poor guys come in my office and they're like, no, she would never do that. She's super nice. She's a good mother. She's a good woman. She wouldn't do that to me. She's going to do it to you. Like, I cannot tell you how many have done it. And it's because they get bad legal advice or their, you know, girlfriend told them to do it or they're going through menopause and they're not as rational as they once were or they do it out of fear because they think you're going to cut them off. So they proactively react on the front end. There's a million reasons that make them not the monsters they appear to be. But regardless, the effect is the same. So they need to look out for themselves and go in with open eyes and protect themselves. You know, I'm like, film your life. I mean, who wants to live that way? But if you're in a home with a woman that's already called the police on you, twice and made false allegations of abuse, get out. Don't stay there. If you have to stay there, wear a GoPro in your face. I mean, it's extreme, but it's like, it's really hard to disprove a negative. You know, no, I've never hit her isn't good enough and I can't undo it all. So like, you know, be aware of the realities. Don't trust a woman if she says, just sign here, we'll work it out on her own. I just needed to say this on paper so I can qualify to buy a house. Those sort of tricks, especially if they have sex with you before you sign, because that happens all the time. They are not what they appear. She is not nice later. You just signed your life away and I cannot undo the contract sometimes. So, you know, and then they'll end up with another woman just like them because statistically speaking, when a man's been in a long-term relationship within the first year of breakup, he's like 80%, you know, likely to get into another long-term relationship Mm. and not ill will just because he's comfortable in commitment and he likes his routine and he falls in love again and he's in a hurt place and he finds a woman that's sympathetic. But I can't tell you how many of them end up with the next predator. And so, you know, be aware, just try to give yourself time to grieve, to let yourself process. Don't be in a hurry because women are not in a hurry to get the divorce over with and they will wait you out and they'll get what they want because men just want it done. You know, don't be a provider in the divorce. Men are wired to take care of their families and that's not different at divorce. I have amazing clients that are like, well, she's the mother of my children, Marilyn. I want to take care of her. I'm like, that's fine, but you're going to live on your mom's couch. Like you haven't netted your income out. You just gave her all of it. You know, within reason, I have no problem with someone being a good provider for their former spouse and the parent of their children, but be realistic about your true assets and ability and your desire to move on in your life too. 
So those are kind of the biggest tips. The other thing that men need to know is that there is not an equivalence in physicality between a man and a woman. Like that's not a surprise to people. Men are bigger, stronger, scarier, tougher. That doesn't mean that you're a threat, but it means you'll be perceived as one easier than if you're a woman. And you just have to know that. You can't send equivalent texts if she attacks you and calls you eight names. You cannot respond in like kind and expect the court to receive it as, well, she started it. They don't. They consider you more threatening. So when men are in court, they need to look at the ground or look at the judge. Don't come across as aggressive. Don't speak aggressively. Don't send texts that are aggressive. It's just not well received. And so it's not fair, but it's the reality that men need to you know, know about, particularly in court. So I always try to say, these are the ways you can make your case better for yourself and for me. Just try not to make bad evidence for me. <laughs> don't take the bait. She's totally baiting you. Don't take the bait. Because if you don't, she will look like the monster. You know, if it is one-sided, it'll be apparent instead of the, oh, you too, you know, the favorite thing. So you have to be careful in that context. It's really important. Those are my main tips. Those are good tips. Um, I'm just thinking back to when, you know, when my separation and, and, and divorce process started initially. I uh, Which was when? Just give me, give me the time frame. 2009. We'll 2009. Okay. Yeah, because, so, I mean, 2009 was so different here. I assume it was the case there as well. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. So, uh, you know, I'm a man from the Middle East. The whole process got started. There was some insinuation ma- was made by her attorney and, and all that stuff. And she was she wouldn't speak to me. The way it was set up was I wasn't allowed to, to contact them and all that good stuff. There was no allegations of, of abuse made. But there was hints and all that stuff dropped. You know, you know all the nasty stuff that happened initially in the divorce. And I first had a, a male lawyer. And I fired him because he sucked. He was expensive and he sucked. <laughs> and I fired yeah, him. Yeah, good. I'm glad you were smart enough to do yeah. that. It's and hard. then I got a female lawyer. And she didn't suck. And she, she was not as expensive, which was good too. And she did a better job. And Yeah, that's great. And I also found myself an incredible uh, relationship expert. His name is Owen Williams. At the moment, he's based out of Victoria on Vancouver Island, and he's kind of in the nice. twilight of his career. But he he used to be in Toronto, and I went to see Owen, and seeing Owen calmed me down. And I think it's really important for men to have someone like that. In fact, I offer to help some men if they're specifically fathers whose wives have left them and kicked them to the gur- curb, and they have kids under eighteen. I I helped a bunch of men myself. In fact, I put together a little program for them called Make Make Your Life Great Again, you know, and all that good stuff. Because Owen showed me how to, you know, not be a a wuss, not to let myself be walked all over, but also to like interact with her when we were, when we started interacting again in a way that, you know, didn't have her bring the worst out in her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It garners, it garners Garners, connection and and empathy and you're human. It's like befriending your captor. It's Patty Hearst stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes. And, and. You know, so here's the thing. When we negotiated everything and it was all said and done, I don't pay child support. I don't pay alimony. At the time, she made more money than I did, but that's not the case anymore, right? And yeah. we we got custody arranged, so it's 50-50. I never badmouth her. Uh, she never badmouths me. In fact, right now, we hang out with the kids together. Like I said, we go on vacation with the kids together. And I think a big part of it is I had a really good divorce lawyer who made sure I didn't get, excuse my my French, divorce, R-A-P, you know what. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, no. But I also had somebody to show me how to show up strong as a man, but also not to be an idiot and, and go into anger. Because the primary emotion that men deal with is anger, right? That's our our, our range is well, we're extremely happy or we're angry, and you can't do that in divorce court. It's fight or flight. Yeah. It's fight or flight because we have clients that disappear and put their head in the sand, and that's not better or commit suicide, which is the, of yeah. course, worst outcome. Yes, you know, it just is. get overwhelmed, and that's the ultimate, you know, flight. Right. So I think the man needs a good divorce lawyer like you, but he also needs somebody in their corner to show him how to show up and act in a way that absolutely has him standing up for his rights, but also has him not have her have any excuses or any reasons to turn on him and frankly may even spark some 
of her former feelings for him, not to the extent of maybe getting back together, although I've helped a no, couple guys make him get kindness. back together, believe, but just kindness and then not going after each other and going to destroy each other because that's the worst thing you can do. If the guy, if the guy goes full, you know, scorched earth, like I'm a Middle Eastern man, I'm old school. You know what I mean? I was brought up by, 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 by <laughs> a man who, you know, as a Christian in Iran once got into a, a fight with 50 people over his ethnicity and he won. You know what I mean? Because he was willing yeah, to do whatever it yeah. took. I mean, I could go that scorched earth, but why on God's earth would I do that? Like you said, it's the mother of my children. It's a parent yeah. that's 50% of my kids' DNA and genetic upbringing. Yeah. It's ridiculous to, to go in that direction. Well, and then your kids have half their life that's unaccounted for, you know? And if you have teenagers, I don't know how old your kids are, but 14 and my 12. daughter's 15. Yeah, I have a 15 and 12 year old and she will manipulate the holy crap out of her father and I because we're divorced if I let her. So I just call him on speakerphone in front of her and she gets so pissed. Why are you telling daddy everything? I'm like, I'm not your girlfriend, dumbass. I'm your mother and you're going to play games. Like we're calling each other. Just know that we do speakerphone when you play games. So it's really important for us to have a united front to possibly be able to counteract her teen crap, which is still hard. So. Yeah, yeah, my 14-year-old's teen crap isn't that bad, but, you know, it's definitely different than what it was. He, he likes to play sports, and so do Good. I. So, uh, I mean, I, I play basketball with him. Uh, I play Good. soccer with him. He's you know, He kicks my ass in both right now. He's, he's almost my size. he's a boy. Yeah. You're a boy. I have a girl who was sneaking out and trying alcohol and among other things. I was like, oh, my God. So I had to call her dad and say, hey, when I find out our kid isn't a virgin, do you want to know? Because legally, I'm supposed to tell you, but I doubt you actually want to know, knowing who he is. And he's like, you're going to handle that, right? I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's like, then no, don't tell me. Like, don't tell me. Yeah, don't tell me. I know, me. but it's like, I know who he is. He can't handle it. He's squeamish. He'll freak out. He'll never talk to her about it anyway. So at least now I know where he wants to know things and not. And she'd rather him not know. So, so I'm set up for, you know, and those are conversations that are important to have when you're divorced. The law tells you you have to tell him everything. But if you know the personality of your former spouse, the law isn't necessarily adaptive to their personality. So you should ask. They'll be able to tell you most of the time. You know, so no, it's interesting. It, 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 it definitely is interesting. And so the first thing a man's got to do is he's got to – Owen told me he, he, he'd done some, some uh, research himself, Owen Williams, that said that when a woman tells her man that she wants a divorce, she's been thinking about it and planning for it for two years. That crazy? I, that's probably a fair enough range. I mean, we vacillate women just like men. It's not like it's black and white. And we're like, we're done with this pig, you know. But I bet you for a year they are done with this pig because man, it takes a while to lose that baby weight. You know, <laughs> that's not an overnight process. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that, right on. I think that that predictor is probably in the range. And the other thing that Owen said, right? And this, this, this. This was very helpful. He said that a woman falls in love with a man over his behavior and she falls out of love with a man over his behavior. So a man's got to understand how he's showing up and how he's behaving and how he's treating his woman has a lot to do with, you know, whether she's still in love with him or whether she wants to kick him to the curb. And when I started to learn that and realize that, and I shifted my behavior with my ex, and I also started behaving differently with a new woman I started dating about nine years ago, then it made a huge difference, right? It made an absolutely huge difference. So right now, my ex and I get along, which is really, really important to me, and it's important for my kids. And it was wonderful to learn how to be with a woman because we're not taught how to be with a woman as men in this day and age, right? That's part of the problem. We don't know what to do. I mean, the rules have changed so much. We don't know what the right thing to do is. And the things that society is telling us about how we should treat a woman, I don't think work. Well, and you know, there's, there's brilliant minds out there that do the real work. I'm not a psychologist, but one of the people on the forefront is a guy named Dr. Warren Farrell. He wrote a book called a boy crisis. Yeah. Yeah. He I interviewed him on my show. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he talks about how men have a different purpose now. You know, men used to be on the front for battle and you guys used to sacrifice your life to protect the 
country and women. And that still happens, of course, but less so. And so what is a man's role now? Is to be breadwinner. Well, now most families are dual income and sometimes more often, more and more women out are in the man. And I have that relationship, of course, with my husband and it's hard. You know, he always says, what's my purpose? I don't have a purpose here. And I'm like, you're my emotional partner and my physical partner in the relationship. But he wants to be the breadwinner or the authoritarian or, you know, he needs to have that superiority, for lack of a better word, because that has negative connotations that, that I don't intend. But he doesn't have that role naturally because, you know, those who pay the bills bring the power is the theory that he carries. And it makes him feel lost. It's hard. It is hard. And I don't know. I don't have an answer for him, you know, and I don't have sympathy either because I'm like, oh, if you want to pay all our bills, let me know. I'll go lay out like, <laughs> you know, but it, it it is an issue. It's a real issue. And I get it. And it's a modern issue that our parents didn't have. So they didn't raise us. Like you said, we weren't raised and taught how to treat a woman. And if you were, it'd be in and it'd be inapplicable to the today's woman. And so our daughter our daughters and our sons are gonna have a different dynamic we have and we'll be just as lost when we see what they end up with. So it is. It's hard to adapt, but it is absolutely behavior. And I suspect it's not different for men. It's just the behaviors that men react to are slightly different than the behaviors women react to. So it's good to have coaches. I fully agree with you, Nikki. I think it's crucial that you have someone in your corner to keep you calm. You calm to, you know, even if it's a friend, but it's nice to have someone with some education behind them, like a marriage and family therapist, God forbid, a PhD, you know, even a life coach, whatever resource you have, a relationship coach to say, don't take the bait, stay calm. You know, I tell my clients all the time, this is really hard. Just be kind to yourself. You're going to go through in a world of emotions. Just embrace them, feel them. Do not let a doctor medicate you through them, please, unless you truly cannot function because you'll never ever mourn or process if you're medicated through them. Not to mention the court would use that against you and you can't drive your kids and you can't have your kids because you're on Xanax and you're on lithium and then they think you're bipolar. And, you know, it, it comes with a bunch of problems too. Please don't use drugs like illegal ones or even marijuana is legal here, but you're still not a great parent if you're high all day. So, you know, people need to be patient and they need to talk to someone. We have a really grounded view of divorce. We do it all day long, you know, and so it gives them some comfort to say you'll be through this and you'll feel better. I promise. Call me when you're upset. I'll talk you down off the ledge. You know, it's not as significant as you think it is, but it feels big and it's it really big. emotionally hard. And and they should feel that, but we can calm them down. But, you know, therapists get covered by insurance, so we don't. So I always tell them that. Make sure you don't spend too much money calling me with your emotions. I'll give you support and I'll even no charge some of it, but you're better off calling someone with credentials that you can run through your insurance. So I'll, I'll tell you something that you can tell your husband, right? Because I, I, I've spent a lot of time working with men on a volunteer basis. And, and even though it's not my main business, I have a program that I take some men through who are, uh, who've been kicked to the curb by their wives, right? I've had about eight, 10 men I've done that for professionally and with really good results. So number one thing that a man's got to do, and I, I tell your husband this, is it, it doesn't matter that you make more money than him. You should be happy about that, right? But sure. what, what he's got to do and what he's got to provide for himself as a man is a sense of self-sufficiency. So heaven forbid, you know what, if, if he had to survive on his own without you, he should be able to do that. And he should be good with doing that. He should be your biggest cheerleader, but he needs to be like solid and confident in himself as a man. And as a man... The other thing that he's got to do is he's got to look at what are the traditional aspects of masculinity because those things work. Those th things still will make a man feel like a man. If he tries to be a modern soy boy, a, a beta male, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Look, I make more money than my than my lady does right now, but I think she's got the potential to make way more money than I do. And if she does, I'd say go for it. Bonus, awesome. I'm still going to be the man yeah. in the relationship, you know. And part of being the man in the relationship is be count honorable, be the rock, don't be emotional, you know. Take care of your woman. Taking care of your woman doesn't just mean you pay for everything. It could mean you take her car to the garage. You know what I mean? It could mean that yeah. you 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 uh, you plan the vacations and the dates. You know, it could mean that you make sure the kids get an opportunity to do their sports and other stuff like that. But that's the other thing he's got to do. And your man, your husband needs to be part of a good men's group. He's got to find himself a group of men, not guys that he can go drink beers with or talk about the game with or whatever the heck else <laughs> men do, but men that he can have real conversations with who'll tell him the truth and won't BS him. 
Because yeah. if he doesn't no, have that, that is terrible. And that's what I've got. I run a men's group. We meet every couple of weeks. So right now, you know, in this pandemic time, we're meeting virtually yeah, over Zoom. Zoom. But yeah. but look, we talk to men. Like if a man comes to us and says, you know, like sometimes, I'm not saying this is happening now, but sometimes some men come and say, I think my wife's cheating on me or I'm thinking about cheating on my wife or my business is going down the tubes. I think that we're going to see a lot of that in the next few weeks. I think my business is going down. And the that's tubes. hard for men. That's a really hard thing. It's hard. It's really, really- but if you got your men and you bring it to your men, your men will sit down and they'll help you talk. They'll help talk you through it because they'll be unemotional and they'll help you get to the heart of the matter. And then as a man, you've got a group of men that you can count on. Men have had this for centuries, except for the last 50 years. They, they, they stopped doing that. And that's why so many men are lost and they're alone. And they bought all the BS society tells them about, hey, your masculinity is toxic. Man, that's the most sexist thing I've ever heard in my life. There's nothing toxic about masculinity. Masculinity is a beautiful thing, just like femininity is a beautiful thing. And sure. a, good, sure. a good masculine man is a man who's count honorable, a man who's reliable, kind of man who, you know, in the days of the pandemic is going to go out and do his job, you know, and a good feminine woman is a woman who's count honorable and, and a, a woman who's nurturing, a woman who's, who's letting her love envelope the people that she cares about and make them stronger and better. Those are wonderful things. Why does it have to be one or the other? And that's the problem with our society. There seems to be a group of people who think it's a wonderful thing to, to, turn men and women against each other. And I think that's the biggest problem we have in our world today. Not the pandemic, but that men and yeah. women have been turned against each other. And there's no reason for that. Well, and just the the never-ending competition between genders or spouses or siblings, you know, everything's a competition. And I've had that issue with, I've been divorced multiple times because I like to practice what I, you know, preached instead of my poor parents who were brilliant. But <laughs> it's always competitive. I always feel like I can't tell them I went to the gym because then they'll think they have to work out the same day and get pissed at me because I worked out more than them this week. Or, oh my God, my TEDx is going viral. It's driving my husband nuts. It makes him uncomfortable to even watch. And he doesn't talk about it. And he didn't watch it. And it's like, what? Why does that have anything to do with you? Like, you're not going to do a TEDx on what he does for a career. Maybe you will on something else. I'll be the first person there watching. I mean, it's just weird to me. I don't understand the competitive nature of it. I don't, I try not to promote it. And, and yet I see it constantly with clients, you know, in divorce, like, oh, you took her to Mexico. I'm taking her to Hawaii. I'm like, okay, maybe great. But it's just, it's something about our current society with this competition instead of partnership. And it's not breeding camaraderie for sure. So it'd be nice to see that shift so people could support each other because I wholly agree with you. And enjoy our qualities. You know, there are feminine qualities and masculine qualities that are not equivalents, but they really balance each other out. And they certainly do in parenting. And that's one of the reasons fathers are so important. Again, as Dr. Warren fairly explained, you know, women help children have dreams and articulate their dreams and goals and men help them achieve them by teaching them delayed gratification and discipline, you know, and without the combination, you don't have the dreams or you don't have the discipline to see them through. And so we really balance each other. And that's so important to force or married. It doesn't matter. You should still be in your children's lives and work together to see them achieve their dreams. 100%. 100%. And he, he, here's the thing, like, men are by nature very competitive. I mean, it's their thing. But what they got to learn is not to compete with their spouse. And, and women got to learn not to compete with their husbands either. It's just not the thing to do. But your guy, you should just tell him, listen, you're my guy. I picked you. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I picked no, you. No, I do. And, and Sure, exactly. I pick, I pick you. you every day. That's what I say. You think I don't want to get like know how to get divorced? I've been divorced three times. All of them I initiated. I pick you every day. Every day you're here, you're, you've been picked again. Yay, yay. <laughs> like, right. You're so, super secure. <laughs> and, and what he ought to get is like your success should be a matter of celebration for him. You shouldn't in any way turn down how you show up or what you tell him. I tell him everything. I tell him everything. You know, it's it's a good thing, man. He's 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 got to be a guy who's got a lot of masculine qualities, who's probably hiding a few of them if he's letting himself get into a space where he feels bad about your success. You should feel good about your success, but that's why he needs a group of men because they'll talk him off down off of this way of thinking. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Plus, I'm like, you know, I represent men, right? And dads, like your cause, bud. I'm successful for, you know, promoting you and your entire gender 
gender. Like, it's not about being against you, I assure you. And God forbid things didn't work with us, I would definitely make sure he's in his son's life half the time or more, just like I always do, you know? So I'm like, not a threat. Yeah, advise him to do a group. Advise him to go to a group. You know, if if you'd like, I'd be happy to have a private conversation with him. If he's open to that, sometimes that might push him in the wrong way. But there's a guy out there called um, uh, Ryan Mickler. He runs something called The Order of Men, and he's got a book called Sovereignty. It's a really good book. You might want to like pick up a copy and give it to him and say, "Hey, I think this might be good." Sure. There's a program called The Sterling Men's Weekend. It's uh, I've taken it. It's taught out of Oakland, California. I mean, obviously not now, oh, but nice. in the future, it's it's great yeah. program, great guy. And as I said, cool. I'd, be, I'd be happy to talk to him if if you think it'd be helpful. Uh, I always want to help sweet. men come to their uh, come to their masculine power and live from that because that way they're better for their families and they're better for their for their wives. For sure. And I see my poor clients at their worst, you know, where they're feeling completely disabled. And, you know, that's what we do here. We always call it backbone training. I literally have a little program where I like inch my fingers up their spine in court. That's me saying, find your backbone. You're being, you know, you're being a sissy. Stop giving in. It's not going to help. I would say if, if women smell blood in the water, they're sharks. They'll eat you. Don't you dare come in there weak. You don't have to be aggressive and you don't have to be offensive, but you better be able to withstand the attacks strong. You know, I mean, they're testing your resolve. Now's not the time to cave. So it's really, you know, important. I completely agree with you. It's super, super important. Um, I, I mean, just thinking back to the time when I went through all this, I know that there were things said that were meant to get a rise out of me, right? They were meant to get a rise out of me. And yeah, of course. <laughs> here's how I reacted to one of them uh, in, in a private setting. And I just, I just sat there and they said, so what's your answer to that? And I said, I must have really failed as a husband if she felt the need to say something like this about me. And they looked at me and their eyes popped out. And they said, you're taking this really well. You're taking yeah. this really, really well. And I'm saying... Okay, thank you. And I said, I mean it. And then they said, okay, well, that's not who we were led to believe you are, right? <laughs> I mean, in the situation. But, but, you know, no, but I know it wasn't her. I know it was part of her lawyer's strategy to say stuff meant to, like, make me look bad so she'd, you know, get a leg up or whatever the heck it was that they wanted to get at the time. But yeah. Well, people lash out when they're scared too. They don't even know what they're saying. They don't mean it. My response was always the same to my husband, my former husband, when he would lash out, I'd always say, you must be so relieved that we're getting divorced. Like it was just, it was the best thing to say because he would just, it totally deflated him. Like I sound horrible. I was an awful wife to you. I'm so sorry. This is such a relief. Now you won't have to tolerate that anymore. And it made him mad because he knew I was being a martyr, but it, he had no comeback. And, it, and I don't look like a jerk if someone ever read that, if I wrote it in text, so what? You know, it, to- it takes all the joy out of it. So I would just, that was my standard go-to. And I kind of tell my clients that too, or, or I just got super stupid nice when he'd send me four letter name calling in the text. I'd say, oh, do you miss the kids? Do you want to talk to him? <laughs> oh my God. You know, just, it's, <laughs> and it just drove him nuts. But I'm like, well, whatever, I'm not taking the bait. You know, or I actually made a list of my bad qualities when I was married because he would yell things at me that weren't untrue, just things that he thought would hurt me. And I'd say, those aren't actually my bad qualities, but I have this list I made for you of the actual bad qualities I have so that when you're insulting me, you can be accurate. Here you go. Like, I just give it to him. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Like, well, I have plenty of bad qualities, but like being greedy, he'd always say, you're greedy. You just take every client that comes through the door. I'm like, that's the opposite of me. And he knows it. Like I do like eight pro bono cases all the time. And it just, the first time made me so mad that I'm like, wait, he's just saying the opposite of what I am because I react. So then I, of course, gave him the real list. So it's just funny. I'm like, how do you expect us to stay married when you don't even know what my bad qualities are? Like you certainly (laughs) don't know what my good qualities are. Marilyn, York, so, you are the bomb. I love it. You are just the hot diggity. This has been such a fun interview. So, Well, thank you. I'm enjoying it as well. Good, 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 good. So um, here, here's a couple of thoughts I have for you. I think that what you okay. do ought to be amplified beyond the TED Talk and beyond the work that you do in the courtroom. One of the things that I help do for folks is folks who have a real expertise – uh, that really have a positioning as a thought leader, and I believe you to be one of those, I think that they can take that expertise and 
package it up and take it to the marketplace in a bunch of different ways. I think there's a lot of men who would love your message. I think there's a lot of successful men, particularly who've been divorced once, who could use that message and could be part of some really high-end retreats you might want to do on an annual basis or uh, possibly do a series of lectures, et cetera, et cetera. You ought to put together some books uh, and put them out there for men. And I think the fact that you're a woman putting those types of uh, books and that type of information out would be well-received and it can make you a lot of money. So I think it's a good thing and I think it'd help a lot of people. So food for thought. No, no, I, I do think there's an audience for it for sure. I think there's important stuff out there. I think, you know, prenups are a topic that should be discussed among the wealthier men or potentially wealthy when they're entering into a second marriage. And that's a really sore, tough topic. It's a hard concept for a new spouse or potential spouse to get around. So that's an example of something that could be more widely discussed. I think they're crucial if you have children from a prior relationship and you're considering getting married because you have heirs to protect that are not the offspring of the you know step parent. And you may have additional children with the new. So it's really important to figure out what happens in that division. So there's a lot of topics, but that just came to mind as one possibility. But I agree with you. I think there's important work to be done. I think there's ways to make divorce a lot more pleasant, like you discovered in your own dealings. And you have a rational spouse. I know a former spouse. She may not have felt like it at divorce, and you certainly saw some darkness, but she ultimately came around and you guys were able to get along. I have seen firsthand some that are in incapable, but you still have to deal with them. You still had children with them. And so there are still tools to help navigate that, that make it better or make it tolerable or, you know, make you have the ability to cope and help your children navigate it. I'm learning personally, you know, when you have a teenager that it's more difficult. I used to have, have this really black and white view where I was like, never talk bad about your ex. It's horrible. And I still believe that and the court expects that, but I have learned that it's harder at this age of my children than it was. You know, my daughter will ask me very pointed questions about her father, who I love dearly, but he has some shortcomings just as I do. And so she'll ask me questions and I found myself having to be a little more honest than I would have been had she still been 10. You know, she just is too smart. She doesn't, the answers I used to give aren't satisfying her. Like, well, I had to explain to her, her father has low testosterone. I'm like, I I think you need to understand scientifically why your dad's not motivated. You know, I mean, it's literally an issue with him and he won't supplement it. And so he's tired, he's irritable, he's short fused, his attention span's limited. He's never going to have a girlfriend. You know, these are not your fault. It's not his fault. He doesn't mean to be that way. If he got testosterone, it would improve, but I don't know that it would resolve. And he's not willing. He wasn't willing to keep me in his life. He's not willing now. So we have to deal with the dad you have and just try not to take it as personally, knowing that there's a medical reason for some of it, you know? I mean, these are weird conversations that I didn't, of course, expect to have when my kid was nine. But then I'm like, well, probably it made her feel better, you know? She stopped asking these questions like, why does dad always go to bed? Why is he always ignoring me? And I'm like, you know, and I just say your dad didn't have a dad. His dad left. He never had a father. So he's doing the best he possibly can. And he's so much better than the example he had. So you need to love him for who he is. He has to love you for who you are. It's just what we do in families. And then I call him, of course, and yell at him like, your daughter's bored. She doesn't want to stay there. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to change, Marilyn. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and then we bo- it's true. We both laugh. I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> but I try. I want him to engage more, you know. <laughs> Well, I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you, and this is this is uh, my my catch-all solution for all men in that situation. They need to they need to join a men's team. They need to go learn about what it is to be a man. And different yeah. men are different, right? Not everybody's going to be sure. high energy, you know, high testosterone sure. motivated. But yeah. every Thank man. God. Every man can be the best version of himself. Every man can be. Justin Sterling calls it, be the man you've always wanted to be. And I love that phrase. I think it's very powerful. You know, I think this is a good thing for you to bring, not just to your husband or your ex, but also to to all your clients is you're going to get through this process. Yes, you need me right now, but at some point you're going to need a group of men that you can trust. And that just can't be a bunch of guys you go have beers with. And that's what they all need to go. You need men who are going to tell you the truth and are going to be able to stand by you when, uh, you know, 
SHTF. I mean, this is a family related uh, oriented show, so I'm not going to swear, but you know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Right? I know I have because I'm awake. That's what I do. But <laughs> yeah. no, I agree with you. And I think it's important to pick the right group of men, successful men, producing men, you know, mentally healthy men, men without yes. extreme bad habits like alcohol and drug use, because you know, we've all seen the extreme fathers' rights groups and the men groups, and frankly, the ones locally are scary. I wish they weren't, and there's some really great ones. I, I should be careful because, you know, reading ads, for example, is an amazing blog, and they're so positive. But we had a judge here shot by a man going through a divorce through the courthouse window, sniper style, maybe 10 years ago. Unfortunately, oh then he God. fled. He was he was on the FBI's most wanted list. That judge lived but did get hit. And so it brought out all the dark of the men's groups. Like for some reason, the, the men, act, male activists thought that he was justified when he absolutely was not. And it was just really horrible what it brought out in people. He, he actually That's got awful. too good of a ruling in court. Yeah. So it's, you have to be careful. You don't want to get with one of these groups that's going to feed it into your paranoia or your, you know, feeling like a victim. You want to get someone that supports you, like you said, that are, that want to see you be your best self. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a men's rights group per se. I think those are important, but those are at a different level. I'm talking about men who just get together and not only, not all the men in the group need to be divorced men. Not all the men in the group need to even be married men. They could be single young guys. I think a good men's group has men in ranging from their mid twenties all the way to their seventies. You know what I mean? And, and yes, you want men who are like productive, solid, all that good stuff. And I don't think the, the topic of discussion should always be about how horrible your wives are. That's, that's a terrible idea of a men's group, right? But a good men's group. Men are happy married, though. You guys are like 65 or 70% of married men are happy, and it's only like 20% of married women. And like I tell people, you know, young kids come to me all the time, female, and they're always like, well, you're like the only happy lawyer I've ever met. And I'm like, I'm the only happy person you've ever met. Don't blame law, blame people. You know, same thing. It's like women are never happy. It's not married women. It's women. That's like my favorite joke, we just like to be miserable. So I, we blame marriage, but I check, I want to check not in deeper. Fault. Same thing. I'm going to get on my soapbox yeah. for a second, okay? Go the ahead. last just, 50, 60 years, the last 50, 60 years, there were some there were some good things about the women's rights movement. There were some very good things. I mean, they talk they they really pinpointed inequality before the law and they changed some some outdated social mores. But there were also some terrible things about it. And one of the terrible things about it was that they basically told women that being a woman is a terrible thing and you should try as hard as hell to be like a man. And I think that is the worst advice yeah. that women have gotten in history. Women are women. What makes them glorious is that they're women, not that they should try to be like a man and and behave like a man and go into the man's world. I mean, if you want to go out in the business world, knock yourself out. If you want to go be an attorney, a, a jockey riding a horse or whatever the heck you want to do, you should have that right. And that that's what's awesome and good about the women's rights movement. But the part that said, throw away the essential part of you that's a woman and try to turn into some masculine man, that's the worst advice that women ever got. And I think that's why they're miserable. You, you, yeah, you, no, for sure. That's why you're, I'm sorry. That's why you're miserable. The women I know who are happy, they love being women. You know, there was a, there was a TV show I watched called Sons of Anarchy. And uh, I forget the actress's name, but she was she was Peggy and married with children, right? And she was the <laughs> she was the wife of a uh, motorcycle gang leader. And then there was a, a woman there who was a hard ass FBI agent, right? And she walked and the FBI agent was trying to put her husband away in jail and her and all that. And she just kind of walked over to her and she said, "You know what? You look like a miserable grump to me." I, I mean you know, the the Peggy character. And she said, and you're going to stay that way until you figure out that you don't need to go and strap on a you-know-what every day and pretend you're not yeah. a woman. He says, you're going to actually become happy when you figure out it's a lot of fun being a girl. And I sat there and I yeah. heard that. And I'm not a girl. I'm a, I'm a guy. I'm a man. And I thought, man, there's sure. so much truth to that. There is so much truth to that. European women, women from France, women from Italy and Spain, I'm telling you, they love being women. They think it's glorious being women. They think being women is a hell of a lot better than being a man. They're probably right. But sure. in today's Except society— Except you guys can pee standing up. Yeah, well, you know, you guys can too. You might not aim as oh, well, no. but you could. No. 
it's a disaster. I've tried, I not only tried doing it in every position possible, and I grew up with my father taking me to every national park on planet Earth. So there was a lot of outside peeing opportunities. And I also tried every device on the market when I had a radio show. I test ran all the helper devices. It was a nightmare. <laughs> like, no, I get it. The, aim, it is, really the, the aim is a little off. I got it. I totally got it. But yeah, it's, and you theoretically, it it's possible. <laughs> all the stuff that you have to attach to make it better, you glue on and it'll tear very precious skin. Ooh, it's ooh. not a good idea. It's fine. Just so, but, but everything else about it's awesome. I mean, listen, no, I love being female. I love being female and representing men. And I have a weird kind of dual role in my house, you know, not as traditionally female, but I still have all the traditional female roles, you know, and, and I have some of the burden of the male roles. And when I get, uh, in arguments with my husband, that's what comes up sometimes. Cause he's always like, Oh, well you like it cause you're the boss. I'm like, I, I'm not the boss, but by the way, this is a job you earn every single day by doing all of the requirements. It's not something someone appointed me to. I re earn it every morning by doing everything around here. Like you want the job, step up, man, pay the mortgage and do all the other crap. It sucks. It's really quite unrewarding. <laughs> You know, it's just normal marriage stuff, just slightly, slightly off center, but it happens all the time. Plenty of women out earn their husbands and I'm sure they have these same situations and they feelings that come with them, but we're going to have to get used to it. It's happening more and more. So maybe your men's group can talk about that. Let me know what you come up with, but well, I agree. I, I think it's you. really be part of a men's group and the men the men in the group would say suck it up man be happy for your wife and uh, y you know do more around the house that the man's supposed to do and uh, that's what sure. they would tell him that's what they tell him you don't need to be the breadwinner if your wife's a better breadwinner yeah. than you are just thank your lucky stars that the household has more money and shut shut the f up that's what the, that's what we tell yeah. them that's what we tell them. No, and it's good because there's men in the group that have the burden of paying all the bills and they can give them the contrast. It's not fun. It's hard. And when this coronavirus hit, those of us that are the breadwinners that take care of multiple families in our businesses freaked out, just like employees freak out, but at least it's just one person. You know, you lose your job, you hopefully can get another job. When you are in charge of 20 families, it's extremely burdensome emotionally to, to consider the impact of not being able to sustain that, not to mention in your own family. Yeah, so tell me about it. I'm, it I'm comes a, with a lot of weight. I'm a business owner and my better half works with me. So I'm responsible for a big chunk of her income. And I've got 20, 30 clients that we work with, all of whom are experts, right? And they use their expertise to go out there yeah. and, and make a difference. And then we've got another group of people we work with who own clinics. They're clinicians like uh, chiropractors, dentists, naturopaths, those kinds oh, yeah. of folks. None of those guys can make an income right now. Like all their offices are shut, right? So so there's yeah. a lot of uh, anxiety out there. And my job on a day-to-day -day basis is to say, you know what? This is the moral equivalent of war. This is our generation's version of World War II. This is a chance for us to shine. This is our finest hour if we let it be that way. And I'm rising to the occasion, but I can see that there's a lot of folks who aren't. And I want to just inspire those people to do so. It's like the seven, you know, phases of grief. So hopefully they'll come through the panic phase. I only allowed myself to be there for an hour. And then my dad's favorite saying, which has been embedded in me is action, action, action. Like never sit still if something needs to be changed. Action, action, action. So I'm like, what do I do to make it better? I mean, I'm lucky we are considered a necessary business. So I'm still working and we're busy. Unfortunately, a lot of crises have come with the unknowns and the custody and the homeschooling. I mean, there's a lot of emergencies that so we're busy. And so I feel blessed. So I've been using that to do a ton of charity, which I do anyway, but more local and more immediate. You know, I've been ordering commercial products and driving them to all the disabled and elderly and people with immune compromises. So um, a bunch of things like that. You know, how can you help? How can you spread hope? And I think it's a really cool opportunity for us to go to our roots, you know? I mean, think about our grandparents. They wouldn't even know something's different. They would be home. They go to bed when the sun goes down. They get up when it rises. They do things outside. They grow their own food. They nurture their relationships. They aren't sitting on social media all day. Like, I think it's such a cool opportunity for us to re-engage and for dads specifically to be involved in their children's daily lives, including their homeschooling. I mean, watch the academia of boys soar is what I'm hoping because right now boys are not doing well in school compared to women and girls. And I want to see that number come up. And I bet you it does when they're home with their dads. 
And I think it's really cool. Like, I just think there's all these opportunities that we all need to start focusing on. A trade culture, bartering, you know, trade things. People keep trying to pay me when I bring them toilet paper. I'm like, I don't, thank you. That's very kind, but I don't want their money. But, you know, that's, I see people on, you know, all the help sites. I have eggs, who has toilet paper. I have baby wipes, you know, it's so cool. It's such a more natural, comfortable you know, human thing to do than the way we were doing things where vanity was all that mattered and looking like you're rich and plastic everything and, you know, getting better and higher and spending more money. We had such a cultural devastation coming that if this is an excuse to reset even 10% of that, I'm excited. Amen. Me included. I'm not above it. I mean, I have my own vices that this is reminding me to stop. I'm like, you can't go shopping right now, Marilyn, when you're stressed. That's not a good response when the world's coming to an end. <laughs> you know, I've had to re-engage. I'm like, go outside and hike. You don't need your personal trainer. <laughs> like, so it's cool. It's really cool. No, oh, amen. Well said. Well, I've really, really enjoyed this interview. It's been a lot of fun. So... Listen, um, how do people get a hold of you? How do they how do they find out about your TED Talk? And if they're in Nevada and they need your service, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you can go on YouTube and just Google Marilyn York TEDx to watch my TEDx talk. It'll come right up. It's one of the high trackers right now, which is really cool for men. I'm really thrilled that the message is resonating. Um, and then I have a website, MarilynYork.com. And it's a traditional Maryland spelling, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N. And then I also have a public figure Facebook page too that people can follow as my personal one is full. So those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. And I appreciate it. I think what I do is important and a gift it to is. me every day. And so I would love to continue working, like you said, at a higher level. And I think it's really interesting what you do. I love that opportunity. I'll definitely check out your business more and be in touch. 100%, 100%. Um, I'll chat with you for a couple minutes about how to best do that uh, once we're we're done with the interview itself. So, folks, sure. all this stuff's going to be in the show notes. Make sure that you go watch Marilyn's TED Talk. It is mesmerizing. She's really, really good. And she speaks from the heart, and it really, really resonates. If you're a man or if you have men in your life that you care about, it's an important one for them to, to watch. And if you're going through divorce and you're in Nevada— Definitely get a hold of her, and at some point soon, I'm sure she's going to have uh, other things that she's doing out for the marketplace beyond this. Make sure you continue to go look for what she's up to. She's the real deal. So, Marilyn, we like to end off each and every interview by asking you as our guest expert to give us what we call your top three expert action steps. These are three pieces of advice that you give to our listener to enhance their life, to enhance their business. What say you? Okay, so the first thing I always tell people, kind of along the veins of what I just mentioned, which is action, action, action. Like, what are your actions? So what motivates you? That's what you have to know about yourself first and foremost. What motivates you? Is it likes on Facebook? Is it dollars in your bank account? Is it muscles in your body? Is it steps you take every day? Is it helping others? What is your motivator? And then you have to know what that is and then use that to motivate yourself because we all find ourselves unmotivated from time to time, you know? And so figure out your motivator and then what is your goal? Your goal isn't just to motivate. Like if your goal is to help as many people as possible, then that's your goal. If your goal is to help, you know, a few key people in the most significant ways and truly change their lives, great. If your goal is to have the biggest bank account you've ever had and die with millions, I don't care. I'm not judging you. And these are your personal private goals. Don't tell anyone. None of their business. I just want you guys to figure it out and then motivate yourself through that. If that's your goal, that's your goal. I don't care. And if it helps people for you to get there, good for you. We all need to learn how to save as we're all figuring out right now in the world crisis. And then lastly, you know, give yourself the ability to celebrate. If your big goal is to have $10 million in your bank account, don't wait till you have $10 million in your bank account to be kind to yourself, to celebrate, to feel happy, to feel accomplished. Celebrate every single step of the way, all your small victories. Be kind to yourself, you know. Positivity breeds continued motivation and it it makes people want to be around you. It's contagious. And so while you're reaching these goals, make sure you take care of yourself and you take mental note when you've achieved things and you share that success with other people. So, I mean, those are my kind of three takeaways and they've worked for me for a, quite a while. And so I hope that they help other people. 
You know, I really like them. I like I like action, action, action. Your your, your father was bang on with that. <laughs> Goals are important. It's true. Uh, it, it's very true, and s- celebrating is extremely important. I, th- I I think that it's super super important for people to celebrate. So I've never done it. I've never done it. And this TEDx is, I worked so hard for that TEDx. I spent 2,100 hours getting ready for that. I've never worked that hard in a speech in my life. And I finally just said, oh my God, I reached a million views in a week. And I finally was proud. I mean, I let myself be proud of myself for the first time. How stupid is that? And I'm not even proud because of me. I'm proud because dads are getting their message out through me. I still can't even be proud of me. And that's fine. It's okay. But I'm just, it's so cool. What an idiot though. I mean, how long does it take? But it's so cool. So You know what, Marilyn? Uh, I'm proud of you. I'll be proud for you. You did good. Thank you. You did Thank good. Thank you, Nick. You did good. <laughs> so, you. listener, make sure you go to the show notes. Make sure you check out Marilyn's TEDx talk and make sure you engage with her work. She's the real deal. And now you're listening to the show, I know, because part of you wants to be inspired by our fantastic guest expert. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, this Marilyn, she sounds awesome. But I mean, I didn't have like a a, a dad who got me to act. You know, my parents were great, but you know, they didn't really push me all that hard. Do I have it in me to serve the way Marilyn serves? Do I have it in me to make a difference the way she makes a difference? Do I have it in me to earn the way I want to earn? And the answer to that question is 100% yes, you do. And listen, take inspiration from Marilyn, but I'm also going to give you a fantastic resource. Go to my website, ecircleacademy.com, and smack dab in the middle of the page, there's something called a free masterclass. And this free masterclass is a webinar, and basically it acts as a blueprint for you to be able to take whatever is in your heart, whatever passion you have to serve, and turn it into something that's commercial, that makes a difference, and that can help you win. And the best part about this masterclass is it's absolutely free. So make sure you go to eastercoldacademy.com and you check this out. Bring a notebook and a pen and take really, really, really good notes. Okay? Marilyn York, it's been a complete and total honor to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Likewise. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Marilyn York, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com and look in the show notes. And remember, go to ecircleacademy.com and make sure you watch that masterclass and take really good notes. Until next time, goodbye.